Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, the exclusive rights holders for television in the UK of the Australian Open. And we have got one of Eurosport's big stars with us here, of course, because Catherine Whitaker joins me, David Law, who's part of the Five Live team, who's been commentating on the matches today. Catherine, how's your day been? Day two at the Australian Open. Headlines, Novak Djokovic has beaten Fernando Vanasco. Britain has five players, five, through to to the second round of the Australian Open. First time in 30 years that that has happened with Heather Watson and Johanna Conta and, of course, Kyle Edmund joining Dan Evans and Andy Murray. We nearly had six with uh, Naomi Brody narrowly losing out to Daria Gavrilova. So it's been a bit of a, an eventful day. Yeah, and I think the... the the greatest thing about that stat is that it doesn't feel like a massive surprise and a massive deal anymore um, and that's that's fantastic you know yeah, we should be getting five players through to the second round I suppose the only real surprise in that bunch was Heather Watson I don't even think that was that much of a surprise you know we know how susceptible Sam Stozer is I find something a little bit sad and uncomfortable about watching Sam Stozer play at her, her home Grand Slam because she's such a nice person and a good ambassador for the sport and it's it's awkward seeing somebody look uncomfortable on their home stage which she kind of always has um, but Heather Watson still had to play very very well and really keep her head in some very difficult conditions to beat her so yeah perhaps that's the only semi surprise but uh, yeah it, it's it's deserved and almost expected yeah, I agree with you about the strange atmosphere. I was commentating on that match between Watson and Stosa, and then I also commentated on Brody against Gavrilova. Very different atmosphere in that match. There was all this expectation and fun and and uh, excitement about Gavrilova, and there was a sort of slight awkwardness about Stosa, as though people didn't really want to look, as though they knew what was coming. It was inevitable. They'd seen her 17 times. She'd never got beyond the second week. Uh, well, twice, I think, she got to the fourth round, but that's as well as she'd done 
But, you know, huge credit to Watson because Watson's had a pretty tough time over the last year and a half. She's lost here last year to Tamea Babosh in three sets from being a setup, and she held it together. I mean, you, you spoke to her afterwards, and, and what, what, what sort of mood was she in? Well, delighted, of course, but, uh, I mean, you know, what, what did she think of her, the way she'd done? Yeah, well, we both spoke to her afterwards, in fact. I think you did a slightly longer, sort of more reflective piece. I did sort of, you know, more of a, a, a reaction uh, interview and looking forward and yeah, I mean she's very much heart on the sleeve isn't she and yeah she was she was delighted she was very open about how she struggled a little bit for motivation at the in the latter part of that season she was asked in her press conference and I picked up a little bit on it in my interview with her about why she does well in this portion of the you know she's had a run here before I think in 2013 and she won Hobart a couple of years ago and she said well it's the beginning of the year and I'm fresh and you know parallels can be drawn with Dan Evans who doesn't do brilliantly with long stretches on the road and the grind of tour life and I think she was hinting at kind of the same thing you know not necessarily a homesickness which is what you know Dan Evans just misses Solihull sometimes, David. Don't we all? Which I'm sure you can relate to. Yeah, but with Heather, I think it's just that grind of tour life. Sometimes she isn't always up for that. And I think that's okay. You know, it, I can understand that. It, you know, there's many upsides, but there are downsides as well. And it's different folks, different strokes. So, yeah, she was very open and, uh, yeah chuffed to bits really and I think chuffed to be a part of this big British success I think by the sounds of it it was probably hard for her in New York when there were great British results as well we were recording similar podcasts to this about great British success and she wasn't part of it so I think this means a lot to her I think it does we should say as well we're sitting currently in Garden Square which is where we were last night as you can tell it's rather noisier or certainly the last 10 minutes have been of this podcast uh, because of the big screen basically the Agnieszka Radvanska match has just finished with Radvanska beating Svetana Peronkova in three tight sets and so when everybody's leaving and, and I, we can see them all filtering past us at the moment. They have the big screen on. They have the, the sort of uh, music and so forth. It looks like they've turned it off. So well done on taking the plug out, Catherine, because that was annoying me. Uh, now, uh, Novak Djokovic we saw earlier on this evening. It was a funny old match he had with Fernando Verasco. On paper, it was two very straightforward sets for Djokovic, one really tight one in the second. I watched quite a lot of it on TV and I thought Djokovic was really good in the first set. He went five love ahead. But then in the second set, it was just a mess of a match. I mean, they were, they were almost falling over each other to, to let the other one win. Neither one found any sort of form. They were, particularly Vadasco was incredibly ratty. He was really irritated by everything. He was having a go at his own team. I don't know whether it was all sort of self-directed or what, but... He wasn't happy out there at all, and, and Djokovic fairly comfortably in the end, although he had his serve broken two or three times in that set as well. So not vintage, really. Definitely not vintage, but I think fine for an opening match. Uh, he obviously got the memo about making me look good with my prediction for that match, didn't, didn't he? One tight set, but basically a pretty straightforward outing. Thanks, Novak. Um, yeah, it was... A, do you know what? I think the, the rattiness, that's a good word for it, of 
Fernando Vidasco was particularly interesting and particularly telling for me because I don't think he would have been that ratty had it not for what happened in Doha. Had they not met in Doha and had the match that they'd had with Vidasco having the five set points, he would have gone into today's match as the underdog, the flashy underdog that everybody knows is capable of something on his day but really didn't have anything to prove. Today he went into the match as somebody actually with expectation on his shoulders, actually that people were expecting to really push the world number two, the six-time champion here. And that was a very, very different mindset for him. You know, he was killing himself for every mistake, wasn't he? He was really being hard on himself. So, And that's, I guess in hindsight, it's, it's easier to articulate it than it was, you know, in, in advance of the match. That's kind of what I thought would happen, play out for each of them mentally. It would give Djokovic something to prove and something to say and it would give Vadasco a bit of extra pressure he wouldn't have had were it not for that semi-final in Doha so yeah I mean without sounding overly smug about it it's well, you're not doing a very good job are you played out um similarly to how I'd expected except you're right in a slightly more bizarre way that second set wasn't necessarily it might have been in scoreline what I was expecting one of the sets to be but it it was a bizarre set of tennis and it looked like it looked like Djokovic was mistiming the ball a bit which is what Murray and if you know sort of Federer was doing early on but then it improved throughout the match you know and, and we've sort of been attributing that to the different balls this year that are that are flying differently through the air and it's very understandable that the players would be mistiming the ball and getting used to it as the match goes on but for Djokovic it was like he was timing the ball sweetly in the first set and then it sort of disappeared so that was a, a little bit of a bizarre pattern but I as, as much as it wasn't a vintage performance I don't think there's any concern for Djokovic fans at this stage No, maybe not uh, and, and I agree with you I, I mean, it's a, and they have to get this first match out of the way don't they and we saw the same with Murray on day one he was anything but his best but uh, he got the job done we'll be hearing from Andy Murray a little bit later in the tennis podcast uh, looking ahead to his second round match Catherine has been speaking to him exclusively for Eurosport we get to play that for you on the podcast here so we're looking forward to that uh, now on the subject of talking to players and obviously Novak Djokovic winning through today we wanted to play you a little bit of a press conference uh, exchange that I had with Novak Djokovic. And it was in relation to the situation of him breaking up with Boris Becker. Now, this is, this is the conversation that Novak Djokovic and I had. Uh, when, you, um, when it was announced that you and Boris were, were going to go your separate ways, Boris did an interview in which he said that Perhaps you haven't been working as hard in the recent months as you had earlier on in your career. Do you think that that is accurate? And if so, do you think that has changed now? Boris and I have had uh, an, an incredible three years, and I, and I, uh, I can't be more grateful to him and to our partnership relationship than I am. Uh, we've had uh, amazing success, and that's all I can say. You know, I don't want to go back and uh, comment on anything. I just, uh, I, I kept the very friendly relationship with Boris. It just, we just went separate ways. So that's Novak Djokovic, absolutely having none of it. He was not going to get drawn into what went on with Boris Becker and why Boris said that maybe he wasn't working hard enough. So we decided to double team them. Catherine has been speaking to Boris Becker. Now, after you and Novak went your separate ways at the end of last year, you gave an interview and you said that perhaps after he won that incredible French Open title, he wasn't 
he was struggling a little bit for motivation, perhaps wasn't perhaps working as hard on the court as he had done beforehand. Do you think that's still the case? Do you see that motivation, that fire back in his eye now this year? Well, last year was last year and this year is this year. So I don't really want to dwell too much on the past. Obviously, I know him very well. Uh, but uh, what I've seen in Doha, what I've seen in practice here this week, he looks good, he looks rejuvenated, he looks fresh. But it doesn't matter how long we speak about it, the truth lies on the court. And, and the matchup is tough, uh, uh, but I'm sure he knows what to do. He's got his, his uh, you know, backup team with him that's been with him for a long time. So I'm, I'm sure he'll be all right. So he's not having any of it either. Catherine, he wasn't going in on the uh, the what happened with Novak lying in the uh, the second half of the year last year. Did you get anything off, Mike? Maybe about about it that we can just sort of share with the listeners about what went on. I'd l- I'd love to say that I had, and I honestly would tell you if I had, or at least sort of hint at it. But really, no. I mean. I this is purely hypothesis, but I suspect that given how loose lips Boris was in the immediate aftermath of uh, of their breakup, with him giving that interview to Sky and saying what he said that you that you pressed Djokovic on in that press conference completely legitimately. Uh, I suspect that they might have had a little bit of a conversation and agreed. Uh, sort of a, a general party line about what to say when asked about that and you know they have a relationship but I genuinely do get the impression that they have ended on good terms I certainly I certainly do believe each of them when they say that but I think those good terms also suggest that there might be a certain amount of con- collusion about you know, a party line. And, oh, I'm sure there was. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I, I wouldn't mind a bet that Djokovic said to him after he heard that. Do you mind not saying stuff like that? Well, really, exactly. I mean, I, I could do without that. Exactly. I mean, Boris. He gave me a very good interview. It was, you know, he said interesting things, but he didn't say anything revealing about Djokovic. He didn't say anything really, really. You know, he he knows things. You know, I, I asked him. I asked him, it, it was mostly an interview to, to preview that Vadasco djokovic match. Uh, and, you know, I asked him if you were coaching against Djokovic tonight, if you were in Vadasco's corner, what weaknesses would you be telling Vadasco to exploit? And he wasn't having any of that. You know, he gave an interesting answer, don't get me wrong. He's, you know, he's got plenty to say without giving Djokovic's secrets away. But he's definitely not going to be giving any of Djokovic's secrets away. Drat. How annoying. Uh, <laughs> when was the last time anyone heard anyone say drat? That's amazing. Well, I was going to say something else, but then I'd have to put one of those explicit content signs on the podcast, you and I don't like that. You don't have to don't put how that explicit works. content signs on for drat. Hence why I used it, <laughs> Catherine Whittaker. You see, I got my point across. I've made Catherine smile. She's laughing under the midnight sky. And, my goodness, actually looking up at that sky, you're right about those pterodactyls you told us about last night. It is... <laughs> It is a, a dinosaur haven up above our heads. Uh, now, they're, they're seagulls, aren't they, Catherine? I think they're seagulls. I think there's some bats up seagulls, there as well. Seagulls, yeah, with a smattering of bats. So long as they're not mosquitoes, we're fine. We are. OK, we're, we're almost deserted out here now as well. Uh, so what else has happened? About 14 hours ago... You were here to watch Hannah Conta. That's, that's the kind of days... It is actually 14 hours ago that Hannah Conta started uh, against her, Kirsten Flipkin. She won 7-5, 6-2. Um, did you see any of that? Did you speak to her? 
I spoke to her twice, actually. I spoke, spoke to her. A bit greedy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the, immediately after the match, we do a, we call it a flash interview, which is, you know, str- they step straight off court, you know, laden with sweat and then made to speak to me. Also laden with sweat, it has to be said, on a day like today. Um, and then after they've been for their shower and everything and come to their press conference, I get to do a sort of slightly more considered, reflective interview with them after that, as do you or Russell Fuller at Five Live usually. Um, and she was, you know, the, the, the buzzword, the, the, the word on everyone's mind was conditions. You know, it was brutal today. And she, she had the worst Describe them. What, what is it like? Oppressive, completely oppressive, exactly the same conditions that she effectively had a panic attack in in New York. She didn't quite use those words, but heavily hinted in that direction. Uh, you know, re- it, it, the humidity upped today significantly as, as well as the heat. It, it has to be said, there's been that, they call it a cool change, don't they, here in Melbourne? It's a very pleasant temperature just now. It's going to be cold tomorrow, isn't it? It, 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 it is actually going to be cold. It was 99 cold. degrees Fahrenheit. It's going to be 60-something tomorrow. You know, it's, it's basically halving. It is a quite absurd climate they have here in the city. It's amazing. Um, but anyway, she just wasn't having any of the conditions thing. She was like, yeah, it, it's fine. It's a tennis, it's a tennis match. Um, and she does look like one of the fittest human beings uh, out there. I mean, I know there's a lot of fit individuals in sport and in tennis but she really does look like a physical machine I think and and I think what happened in New York was more a, a physical reaction a mental reaction to physical conditions I'm not saying the conditions weren't a contributing factor but I do I do get the feeling that that was a, a panic attack type thing um, and not any any indication of any physical deficiency because she's an iron woman and Flipkins is tricky she's a really unideal first round opponent I think because she makes you uncomfortable she might not have the weapons but she really makes you uncomfortable she slices and dices and doesn't give you any rhythm and I was very impressed with how cool-headed Conta was after a sort of few early nerves there was definitely hint of that completely understandable she was she was professional and impressive, I thought. She was. Uh, I, I was. Um, I, I quite enjoyed your reference uh, to the the, the the match from two thousand and four that you uh, that you said on Twitter. <laughs> you don't tweet very often, Catherine, but when you do, you make it worth it. And uh, it was between uh, Dmitry Tursunov against Radek Stepanek. But been about eighty years between them, and it was won by Stepanek in straight sets. Did you go and watch? I didn't go and watch. I did keep an eye on it, though. Stepanek came through qualifying, didn't he? And Tersnov's using a protected ranking uh, as a result of injury. But, I mean, yeah, they should they should get sort of some sort of award or be given some sort of separate trophy of you know some sort. I Still dragging I really themselves my, on. Really, them. both of those two were having matches. You know, when I first got into tennis really it's amazing yeah indeed makes me feel young thank you both thank you both Stepanek and Tursunov doesn't make me feel young but anyway that's uh, that's that's not that's not relevant uh, uh, can we talk about a couple of people taller than me 
Riley Opelka is 6 feet 11 inches tall, nearly 7 feet tall. He's about 19 years of age and he took uh, David Goffin to, f- to five sets. Very nearly beat him, but Goffin went through. And we have to have a mention for Ivo Karlovic, don't we? 22-20, he beat uh, uh, Horacio Zabayos in the final set. And uh, wonderful scenes out there. I mean, more than five hours long, that match. Two and a half hour final set. And Ivo Karlovic, I reckon he's hitting the nightclubs tonight. <laughs> do you? I do, yeah. If I, you can get through the I said that in my commentary. He, looked, he was high-fiving everybody in the crowd. And basically, anybody who'd stayed, he high-fived. And I thought, you know, he's, he's having a good night tonight. I don't want to uh, take anything away from Ivo Karlovic because uh, it was a fantastic win. Uh, I mean, just... I wish I'd been out there. That's just one of those moments, isn't it? As sort of everybody that managed to get out to... Was it court 20? I think it was court 20. Same court, in fact, that Stepanek and uh, Tersenov were out on. It's the old man's court, isn't it? Anyway. Um, yeah, everyone out there seemed to be having a grand old time. But I did just... I. I I refer you to a text I just this second received from my dad saying uh, on the topic of serving first in the final set, which is a topic that is particularly close to my heart because I think it's too great an advantage in a no tie-break fifth set situation. How come you never win when you put Karlovic adds one data point to the Catherine Whitaker hypothesis. I see. Thanks to Catherine's dad for that one. Uh, in the women's draw, Carolina Pliskova won easily, 6-2-6 love. Agnieszka Radvanska, Evgenia Her score. Serena Williams beat Belinda Bencic, 6-4, 6-3. Relatively straightforward, that one. Caroline Wozniacki was a, a good winner, as was Sybil Kova. Osaka won through, so we're going to get the Osaka against Contamatch. Smile comes on Catherine Whitaker's face, as I mentioned, Naomi Osaka, your favourite player. She only just won through, didn't she? She had to really battle against Luxika. Who are you going to support in that one, then? Conta. I mean, you know, she's I'm, British against Osaka. Or are you I'm just misobjective? Prof- I'm a professional neutral, David. But with my with my tennis fan head on, that is tough. Because I really <laughs> do like... I like Joe Conta. Aside from my Britishness, I have immense respect for her. I, I, she's a... She's a mystery and a, a marvel to me. I don't, I don't think I fully understand her. I'm not sure anybody does, and that creates a whole lot of intrigue. Um, and yeah, she's she's incredible in ways that I don't quite understand. Um, and Asaka, I've banged on about for well, seemingly years now, but she's only about 14, so it can't be years. She's 18, but she's exciting, and you like her, and she's kind of sweet, isn't she? Because she's fun. Everyone likes her. Interestingly, her uh, her Japanese, by all accounts, has come on leaps and bounds. I've talked a lot about how she's desperately trying to learn Japanese because there's this bandwagon of about 35 travelling Japanese uh, journalists that always want to speak to her, and she's really working at it. It sounds like by the by the week, by the month, there's you know noticeable improvement. So good on her. Excellent. So you knew all about... You just knew it had come on because of your extensive Japanese past and history. Yeah, Catherine, where to go there? Uh, So, yeah, it's been a cracking day too. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So day three, Catherine, and uh, Andy Murray's going to be back on the Rod Laver Arena. He gets top billing this time, second on against Andre Rublev. And he was speaking to Catherine exclusively on Eurosport yesterday to look forward to that match against Rublev. And Catherine asked him how he felt before stepping out onto the court at the start of the Australian Open here and whether it was a question of mixed emotions given his five ultimately unsuccessful finals you know i felt nerves before i went on like i do before any any slam um you know fresh runs are always always tough um but no i don't I, I don't have mixed emotions in terms of you know i don't feel i feel very positive about this event i played some of my best best tennis over the years here um you know not many players have reached five finals although i wish i'd won one of them you know, I have had a, a really good record here, so I, I, I like it. I like the conditions, and um, yeah, I just didn't quite play my best today. Your first match, Grand Slam match, as a world number one, you're being asked about it constantly. You seem to be maintaining your focus, your motivation brilliantly. Is that something Ivan is helping with a lot? Obviously, he's been to world number one, and he knows what it takes to stay there. Yeah, I think um, it helps, obviously, having someone that's been in that position before, and you know, it took me a, a long time to to get there, and it's just having someone like him to to chat about kind of how to try to stay there. You know that you need to you need to keep getting better. You can't just sort of accept where you are and where your game's at because everyone else is now, you know, trying to trying to get better than you. You know, so I, I need to need to keep improving, uh, keep keep focused and. You know, not take anything for granted. You know, just because you're ranked number one doesn't guarantee you wins. Um, you know, you need to you need to go out there. You know, and, and, and fight hard. And 
and suffer in, in tough conditions here and uh, had to do that today. Well, the next immediate challenge, Andre Rublev, of course, one of the crop of talked-about youngsters. Have you ever hit with him? I know you've never played him in a professional match, and if not, what do you know about him? What are you expecting? Yeah, I've seen him play a, a couple of times. Um, he's a big hitter of the ball. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's quite slight in, in his build, but he really goes for it. He's got great timing, uh, solid technique, so... Yeah, he's got a lot of potential. Um, he's obviously starting to to make his his breakthrough now, qualifying here and, and winning his uh, winning his first round. So it'll be a, it'll be a good match. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll need to work a few things out when I get out there because I've never never played against him before. I'll watch a few videos to to try and see what he he likes to do. And um, yeah, just need to get a bit of a feel for it when I'm out there. Well, good luck, go well. Thank you. So Andy Murray with plenty to say, as usual, uh, to Catherine in that interview on Eurosport. Uh, what was his mood like? Really good, actually. He was really relaxed. He was anxious. Not anxious. I mean, he, he's always incredibly considered and, and generous with his time. But he, he said at the beginning of the interview, he asked how many questions they were going to be because he was he, the, the roomy room was so air-conditioned he, he, and he hadn't had his ice bath yet and he was so diligently wanting to make sure that you know he he completed his recovery process perfectly and in fact really interestingly well maybe it's only interesting to a massive tennis geek but during the press conference he was asked by i think carol bouchard actually former guest on the tennis podcast um about how he was um, fiddling and looking inquisitively at the label of a, of a drink of a water bottle on the court during the match, and he said, he said what he was he was trying to to look on the water bottle what volume of water it was, um, because he he so that he could accurately gauge how much of it to consume because he has a, a, a strict regime of how much water he should consume according to exactly what temperature it is and exactly what percentage humidity it is which is and how frequently he should consume that amount of water whatever it is so I mean that's just a little insight there into the precision and the science behind an elite sportsman like Andy Murray isn't it that I mean and he said it in the way of like yeah I mean obviously I'm obviously that's what I do and everyone in the room is like crikey can you imagine having to you know measure your water consumption before doing so but anyway he was in good spirits um and I think he will be as talented as Rublev is I think he's going to be pretty confident yes he talked about how he's a a gutsy player that will go for his shots but he's I think perhaps why he hasn't come on in the way that Zverev or Kyrgios has come have come on is that he hasn't come on physically he still looks like a boy rather than a man which I suppose you could probably level at Zverev although he's making strides in that department and he's so tall that it sort of compensates but um, I think he'll be fine I think Rublev's an interesting one he's actually he's managed his agent is the same agent that John Mac is John McEnroe's agent McEnroe incidentally beautiful segue is commentating on the the Murray Rublev match tomorrow evening for Eurosport I think it's his first commentary uh, of the tournament for Eurosport and um, uh, John and Andre Rublev's agent was in the Eurosport offices earlier and I was just asking him 
about Rublev because he's been working f- with him for quite some time. He was somebody that was talent spotted, you know, years ago and snapped up and has been, you know, nurtured in the way that these talents are. And he's moved to Barcelona. He's training alongside Karen Kachanov, who's another much talked about Russian with loads of talent, you know, under the nurturing of Gallo Blanco and. I said, you know, is he a good kid with a good head on his shoulders? And he's, he hesitated for a minute and he said, yeah, but he's not too good a kid. You know, he's, he's got something about him. He's got some, he's got the attitude. And if you look at, you know, I, me- I mentioned them earlier, Zverev and Kyrgios, what are they not lacking in attitude? You know, it's a, it seems to be a kind of crucial ingredient I have it? to say though uh, Andy Murray does quite like playing these kids and yeah. putting them in their place it seems to be one of his hobbies uh, because I remember when he played uh, Borna Chorich uh, when he was just what 17 at the Davis Cup two or three years ago and in the press conference uh, Andy Murray was asked uh, do you know do you think um, Borna will he was asked by one of the Croatian journalists do you think Borna will enjoy this and and get a lot out of it as an experience and Andy just sort of stared at him and said well he's not going to enjoy it he won't enjoy it and sure enough, in the first game, there was a 57-stroke rally that Andy Murray subjected this kid to, which actually Borna Chorich managed to win. He was not the same player again after it. So, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll enjoy it. He'll try to uh, teach this lad a few things on the court, and, and I dare say he will. I think it could be quite one-sided myself, that one. What else have we got tomorrow? We've got uh, Venus Williams starting the day off on the Rod Laver Arena, followed by Angelique Kerber against Karina Wittoft, so two Germans there. Roger Federer then against Noah Rubin, the young American, in the afternoon. In the evening, it's Samantha Crawford against Garbini Magarutha, uh, Andy Murray then against Rublev, and on the Margaret Court Arena, we've got Stan Wawrinka in action, we've got Ash Barty, who, the, the Australian who gets talked about so much. Kane Ishikuri is on the high sense arena, uh, uh, as is Eugenie Bouchard. And where's Dan Evans? Let's see. He's on court Five. number three. three. He is fourth on against Marin Cilic. Is he going to win? I think he's got a chance. I don't. I, I'm. I don't. I'm not going to predict he'll win. Marin Cilic is a heavy favourite. He's got a chance, though. Definitely got a chance. That's the way. Quite right. Catherine Whittaker here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, who will be covering this, the tournament, of course, tomorrow live, as will BBC Radio 5 Live. Sports Extra will have commentary of Evans as well. Uh, I can't wait. So I'm already looking forward to it. It's already tomorrow. He is. I asked him about this yesterday. He is galvanising quite a lot of support in this part of the world, Evans. You know, as, as much as he's a sort of slightly awkward um, bizarre individual in some ways. People really warm to him. It's hard not to, isn't it? <laughs> when you're from Solihull. Yeah, we're all like that. I'll tell you. Come to Solihull. Everybody's like Dan Evans and me. Anyway, Catherine Whittaker. We've got to go to bed now. It's time for time for bed. Time to go and uh, prepare for tomorrow. Uh, hope you've all enjoyed the show. Hope you've enjoyed the tennis for the first two days. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll speak to you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.